Welcome, everyone. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg, and I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and thanks for tuning in today and every day, uh, every Thursday, I should say. I wish I were on every day <laughs> at 1 o'clock Mountain, and we're coming to you live on KLZ 560 AM and uh, also streaming online at drpegradio.com, and we're also live on Facebook today. Hey there, Facebook folks. You can go to my Dr. Peg page if you're on Facebook and want to watch live. And I'm so glad that you're here with us today because I want to talk about an important topic. Uh, September is Suicide Prevention Month, and we want you to be knowledgeable because, sadly, suicide is on the rise. And the CDC recently reported that suicide is up since 1999, more than 30% in over half the states and up 34% in Colorado. And another disturbing trend that we're seeing is younger and younger children taking their lives and dying by suicide. And I'm just heartbroken. We had a nine-year-old boy here in Denver who killed himself after being bullied because he came out as gay to his school friends. And this phenomenon of bullied children dying by suicide even has a name. They call it bully-side. Now, I know in my generation, we all grew up with bullies and being bullied, but I don't think that it really ever reached the level of intensity that it's reaching today. And I have my theories about that. I think digital technology may have something to do with that. Uh, but we'll be talking about bullying specifically on a different show in the coming weeks. Uh, but for right now, today, we are talking about suicide and how a nine-year-old could feel so hopeless and so helpless that he would take his own life. And it's just so tragic. Our prayers go out to this boy's family and, and his friends and his schoolmates. And did you know that suicide also plays a role in school and workplace shootings? 40% of assailants in active shooting incidents killed themselves, and it's likely that the attack was part of their suicide plan where they decide they're going to kill a bunch of people and then kill themselves, and that's what they're setting out to do. And so what this tells us is that suicide awareness is an important element in active shooter prevention. And our show's sponsor, SSI Guardian, understands the connection between suicide and active shooting incidents and has included this topic in their upcoming Stop the Threat Advanced Active Shooter Training that's taking place at North Carolina State University in October. And so if you're responsible for safety in your workplace, and really we, we all are responsible for our own safety wherever we go, and we really need to be better educated about how to keep ourselves and our families safe. And so if you want to take responsibility for your safety and your workplace safety, register for SSI Guardian's Stop the Threat Advanced Active Shooter Training at NC State University. Go to SSIGuardian.com today to register. Well, we want to be mindful that it's Suicide Prevention Month, and we want to raise our awareness about the risk of suicide. But what I really want to talk about today is hope. And how do you stay hopeful when you're in a challenging situation? How do you stay encouraged when your family faces a crisis? How do you hold on to faith when the future is uncertain? Well, my guest today knows something about that. Her son, Michael Hancock, is the Denver Uber driver who's been charged in the shooting death of his passenger, Hyun Kim. And Michael has been in the Denver jail since June 1st, leaving behind his wife and two young sons. And our, our prayers go out to the family of Mr. Kim, of course. And I know that Michael's family feels the same way. And they're praying for their son and his wife and kids as well. And so when we come back from the break, you'll hear from Michael's mom, 
Stephanie Hancock, who's holding on to hope and staying encouraged as her son and her family go through something they never saw coming. And Stephanie will give us an update on Michael's case and how Michael is doing, and she'll help us understand how we can all grow through a difficult situation and hold on to hope. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg, providing you with information and inspiration for staying safe and living well. Don't go away. We'll be back. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with the maximum locking protection while meeting all life safety fire and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. Our children deserve the highest level of education and the safest learning environment possible. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. Get the QAL today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to SSIGuardian.com. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and habits? Well, if you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready to learn the fundamental principles and proven strategies for making lasting changes in your life, join me for an exclusive one-day personal transformation retreat. In this intensive yet intimate experience, you'll gain vital information and insights to help you craft a customized plan for change that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your life-changing personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com retreat. Welcome back, everyone. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you by SSI Guardian, and I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and thanks so much for tuning in today. And uh, September is Suicide Prevention Month, and today we're talking about hope. And hope is so important when you're facing a difficult challenge or in the midst of a crisis. And so many people give up right before their breakthrough happens. And if they had only held on a little longer, uh, things would have worked out for their good. And so my guest today is in the middle of a family crisis, an unexpected uh, turn of events. And as she says, it's not what you go through, it's what you grow through. And growing through a terrible ordeal with her son, Michael, uh, my guest today is uh, mom and minister and very talented actress and singer, Mrs. Stephanie Hancock, thanks so much for being back with me again, Stephanie. Thank you, Dr. Pegg, for the privilege and the honor of being able to be on your show and to share a little bit about um, what we are growing mm -hmm. through. Um, like you said, this thing hit us out of nowhere. And for us as a family, we have, after we recovered from the shock of, of having to be here, and even now, it's been months since my son has mm -hmm. been detained downtown, even now... I still have trouble 
connecting that this is actually happening. Mm -hmm. But what I have found hope in is the fact that this was not a surprise to God. Mm. This was not a surprise. He knew it was coming and all things work together for good. And if you hold on, just like you indicated, the best thing that could happen to you will happen. And when you look at all down through history, you look at Joseph, David, Daniel, Moses, Abraham, all these people had terrible situations that occurred in their lives, and yet they kept their focus and their eye on God. Even if they fell down, they got back up. Mm -hmm. And God took those situations that seemed to be hopeless and desperate and turned them around. And these men saved nations. Mm -hmm. And so what I see for my son right now, when we tell him this all the time, He's in spiritual boot camp. <laughs> and so God needed him to be in a place where only he could talk to him. And for 35 days, my son was in isolation. <laughs> and so for those 35 days, all he could do was pray, exercise, eat, sleep, repeat. <laughs> so he did that yes. for 35 days. And what I've noticed in him, um, as we talked to him just this morning, the maturity mm. of him spiritually, where God has taken him from to where he is right now, mm. has been so dramatically different and so insightful. Um, it is astounding and amazing to behold. He's an artist. He's a writer. He's a musician. The, um, the Just the maturity in his drawing. He sent us pictures um, of himself. He's done self-portraits. And the change from when he first got there wow. and where he is now has just it's been amazing wow. and a blessing. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm struck by what you said that you, w it may have come as a surprise because I've heard you say many times, you know, we were going about our business, uh, living a suburban life, you know, didn't have anything like this ever in our family history. And boom, look what happened. But God knew. And so God is is able to take this tragic situation and turn it around for everyone's good. And again, our prayers go out to the family of the man who lost his life. Uh, and I know that you feel the same way because this is tragic all the way around. Um, where you know your son is still with us and still still has life and still has the opportunity to be in relationship with God. And so that's a blessing. And and yet our hearts and prayers go out to uh, the family of Mr. Kim. Indeed, and it is it is nobody wins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are all broken and we've all lost. Mm -hmm. And you know to. To know that my son is going to live with this situation for the rest of his life is something that he's going to have to come to terms with and come to grips with. And it's important in these situations not only to get theophostic spiritual counseling, but also to get regular counseling because, you know, PTSD is PTSD. Mm -hmm. And so for people to to, you know, have the, the strength and the wherewithal to say, I need some help around yes. this and to go get that help yes. is so important. So important. And that's one of the reasons why I have this program is to provide people with information about mental health, about counseling, about things like post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and to inspire them uh, to be able to persevere, as we're talking about today, and to know that there is no shame and there is no stigma in getting the help that you need so you can see another day. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful to have you come back on the program. You know, this morning I saw a story about a mother who backed out of her driveway 
And um, sadly, uh, her two-year-old was somehow out of the house and in the driveway, and she ran over the child, and the child died. And so you think of these types of situations of um, tragedy and crisis and how painful that's got to be for that mom and for the rest of the family and possibly whoever was watching the child. And you know how two-year-olds can just get away. Yes, they can. And so imagine how that person's feeling if they were responsible for the child and the child broke away. Um, Tragic loss of life under any circumstances, but for the mother to be the one that took that child's life. Uh, and so that's something she has to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're talking about. How do you get through these kinds of crisis situations and still hold on to hope? Uh, your son has been in the Denver jail since June 1st. Mm-hmm. And um, this story made national news. Indeed. And um, I, I hate to use the phrase, but it's a way to communicate on the radio. He's the Denver Uber driver. And he's been charged with first-degree murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, tell the story from from your point of view, your understanding, uh, to the extent that you're able. I know, you know, this is a court case. Mm-hmm. It's an active court case, but on the first of June, we found out. <laughs> my my nephew called and said, "Hey." We think Michael's on the news, and we tuned into the news and saw his car from an aerial view um, for on the highway. And then we learned that he had been arrested um, for a possible shooting of his passenger. And we didn't have all the details for about 24 hours. And then once we got the details, um, all the headlines splashed up, showing a picture of him with his mug shot. And he, at the time, had long, he has long dreadlocks and tattoos, you know, um, and Uber driver kills passenger. Uber hires criminals. Mm. So immediately the narrative, that's the the narrative, Mm -hmm. that's the headline. That's the thing that goes out. So people are thinking, okay, this guy's a criminal. He's done this. He's killed this guy. And it just went all over the airwaves. At first, we were declined to make a statement. But when we saw how the narrative Mm. was being painted, we decided to take to the airwaves and to dispel this myth about my son. Mm -hmm. Nothing was being said about the passenger at all at this point. Mm -hmm. And so we started to tell people Michael's story. He's a husband. He's a father, a college student, working two jobs to support his family. Mm -hmm. Uber was his side hustle, you know, as the kids Mm -hmm. like to say. And the time that he makes the money is between midnight and five. And so consequently, as we've learned from other Uber drivers, that's a tough time. Yes. Yes. You know, people call Uber because they're inebriated. Yes. Or, you know, they're stoned. We live in Colorado. It's the mile high city. So people are taking advantage of that. And so it comes with its own set of risks. And so what we found since then is that, you know, we see so many people who have come out in support of Michael who know who he is. And my nephews in Japan heard about this Mm. story. So it made worldwide news. And so we took it. um, We we went on the offensive just to tell people this is who our son is. Mm -hmm. He's not that guy. He wouldn't hurt anyone. He had to feel like he was in danger himself uh, in order to, you know, do what he did. Um, And so right now the case is sitting in the court and uh, his next court appearance is September the 28th in front of Judge Gilman. Um, So four four months 
four that months will have gone by four months will have gone by and and for me you know he had a hearing last month but the uh, coroner's report had not been completed at that time and so they could not move forward and the prosecution asked for a continuance um, the only other time that the judge had available was September 28th we were mortified by this and I felt it was spectacularly incompetent for them to do such a thing but nevertheless God knows. And that's and, the only and, thing and that keeps us th going. This is how it goes. This isn't unusual. No, it's not. It's not like your son's been sig singled out. This no. is, you know, there's but there's other high-profile cases in Colorado right now, and it takes months. Months and months. And like you said, uh, you know, living our suburban life, we had no idea that this is what happens. The wheels of justice... I don't even know if they really turn. <laughs> you know, they're going uh, uh, yeah. uh, 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 at yeah. this point. They're they're barely moving, and um, it, it's the process. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. the process. But in the meantime, we're not wasting our energy. Right. Um, we're we're we've have so many people interceding on our behalf. People who are praying for us, standing with us. Folks have contributed. They're helping. Um, if nothing else, you can pray. Yes. Because prayer changes things. Because we know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. <laughs> we wrestle against powers of wickedness in high places. And that's what we wrestle mm -hmm. against. And it takes on the manifestation of people. Right. So when we understand that we're fighting a spiritual war, and, and, and with everything, that's what we do. Our guns are spiritual mm -hmm. first. And then we do the physical things next. Mm -hmm. We're not sitting on our hands. We're doing our best. Mm -hmm. Amen. And so it's a process in the criminal Indeed. justice system. And you have uh, indicated, uh, described the process that's happening with your family with you, with your son, and it really is a, a spiritual process that I'm observing as an outsider, you know, seeing your weekly posts on Facebook, um, where you're really uh, ministering encouragement, a message of encouragement. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, knowing that there are so many people in Michael's situation, uh, regardless of what they did and whether they take responsibility for what they did and regardless of how their, you know, court cases end up, there are folks who are in the in the jail right now without hope, without right. any family support, without anyone who cares about them. And that's what we're really, that's the backdrop of our conversation today. Uh, September is Suicide Prevention Month. And in addition to talking about the st statistics that suicide is up, up 34% in Colorado over the last two decades, um, we want to share a message of hope. As we have to assume there's at least one person listening right now who might be thinking about suicide, and they may be in a very different situation than you and your family and your son, uh, and nonetheless, they are feeling hopeless and helpless. And so we want to share a message today of encouragement that no matter what you're going through, you can grow through. And so talk about how uh, Michael's family is doing. You've, you've talked about the growth that you've seen and observed with him uh, while he has been um, detained. And uh, he has two young sons. He yes. has a wife yes. uh, who depend on him. He is a very involved father, very devoted husband, as we learned when Shanna was on the program with you a, a little over a month ago, uh, his wife Shanna. Um, he, he was very, very present in, yes. in their lives. And so how are they doing? And that was the reason why he was working at night, mm -hmm. so he could be with the boys during the day, because he really wanted to be influential in their lives going forward forward and since this situation has occurred we've all had to make adjustments and I you know I give all glory and honor to God because Shanna 
has a backbone of steel. And I tell her that all the time because she has really stepped up and the family has surrounded her and given her a lot of encouragement. And she is just taking the, she knows this is temporary. So she's mm-hmm. taking on the role of doing what she needs to do. And our friends, their friends have come around to help them. Like he's got a best friend, Aaron and Kalisha, who they have two young children. So they'll come and pick up Judah and Israel, and they'll take them on play dates, and they'll have fun, and they'll spend the night. She has a sister who has two young sons. They'll go play together, and they'll do outings together. And now that school started, it really has helped Mm -hmm. because they're both in school, so it helps, too, to fill the gap of the time. But, you know, it's it's drawn my son and my husband— closer together Mm. as father and son. Mm. You know, you always want your parent to be proud of you. And when my son was younger, when our kids were younger, my husband worked. I stayed home. He worked. So consequently, they didn't see a whole lot of him. And so he's going and he's doing, he's bringing home the bacon and everything. And so now my son and my husband have these deep philosophical Mm. conversations and they talk and they write letters and it has drawn our family closer Mm. together. And if that's a blessing, we are really growing through this. Growing through. Mm -hmm. And I I was teasing you that sounds like that's a book title there. (laughs) (laughs) Growing through. Uh, And I want to talk about some of the factors that are um, that contribute to suicide, Um, because, again, it's Suicide Prevention Month. We want to increase awareness about suicide and the risk factors. And some of the factors that experts believe contribute uh, to suicide are relationship problems. So, again, you can think about especially a young person who is going through a breakup and how challenging that can be, but also family uh, conflict, Uh, a crisis in the past two weeks or upcoming two weeks. So the kind of that straw that breaks the camel's back, someone who's been struggling through something and feeling hopeless for a long time just finally is exhausted and there's some crisis that that's just happened or they're anticipating is coming up that just is more than they can handle. Uh, A job or financial problem, a physical health problem, and one of the factors that caught my attention knowing we were having this interview today is a criminal legal problem. Mm -hmm. is one of the factors that contributes to suicide and it's really easy to imagine that anyone involved in a situation like this could give up and feel hopeless. And so I think it's so remarkable that in in light of uh, everything that's happening, that Michael and your family is still holding on to hope. Um, and you're at the jail weekly trying to offer hope uh, to others who may not have the same support that Michael has. Absolutely. And and the, the rates of suicide among um, inmates is pretty high in comparison to the general population. But when you get into a place of hopelessness and you feel there's no way out and no one cares and you're all alone, that's when you get beat up mm-hmm. and emotionally and spiritually and mentally. And when you get to the place where you feel there's no way out, I mean, it, it can happen in any situation, but with, with particularly with prisoners, especially if they're facing a long mm-hmm. time inside or if there's nobody there to help them. It it's, can be really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that um, sharing your message, um, talking with you today, and we've talked a few times on the air uh, in the past few months, I've gotten feedback from so many people of um, how inspirational it's been from for them to hear from you and from Shanna Michael's wife. And so I appreciate you uh, coming on today to talk about what your family is going through and what you're growing through. But I want you to know what an inspiration you and your family have been. And people are, are sharing that. Well, that 
just gives me a lot of encouragement because when you feel like you're alone, you can become despondent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my message to anyone, no matter what you're going through, you can grow through this thing because you are not alone. God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm always with you. Listen to the still small voice inside of you. Usually the one that wants to do you harm is yelling and screaming. Mm. And, you know, God is speaking to you calmly to tell you, I am your hope. I am your refuge. I'm the one that can help you get through this thing. Your situation or circumstance may not change, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you and I'll take you through this thing. And for me, when I had Michael, this is so interesting. When I had Michael, when you talk about suicide and postpartum depression and those kind of things that happen, I had postpartum depression after mm. Michael was born. Did not realize that's what it was. Um, but I, I, there were days I, I couldn't hardly get out of bed. And I would stand at the window. We were living in a third floor apartment. And I would stand there and look out and think, my life, this is not my plan. This is not what I had in mind. I wanted to be doing this, that, and the other. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure during that time in the early 90s, like being a mom. Or, or no, the 80s, being a mom was like, why would you want to do that? You know, everybody was like burning their bras. I got, <laughs> you know, I'm bringing home the bacon and, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a tough place to be at. Um, and I thought, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to throw myself out this window. Mm. I'm just, I'm just done. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, and I know this is, as I'm sitting here talking to you, if you throw yourself out of this window, you're going to fall, break your neck and be paralyzed from the neck down. Is that how you want your life? Is that mm. going to be your plan? And that thing snapped me out of it. That literally snapped me out of it. And I got myself together. Wow. You know, and my grandmother, who never stopped praying for me also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that was a thing because yeah. it was like, I need to talk to somebody and I need some help. Right. And, and that's the key is you were saying, this is not how I imagined my life was going to be. And we never know what's around the corner, good or bad. And I started the show saying, just when you're ready to give up hope, how do you know that tomorrow's not the day that everything changes for mm. you? Um, and so when we're in these situations of, I wasn't expecting this, it, it comes out of the blue. That's kind of the situation your family's in. But you can draw on past experiences to know things get better. God is still with us yes. uh, and, and I can still go on. And so I thank you so much, uh, Stephanie Hancock, for being with me today and sharing how your family is going through, but growing through. We are. Yes, absolutely. And uh, if someone you know is at risk and you're concerned about them and feeling that they may be suicidal, uh, here's what you can do to help. Uh, you can ask them the question directly, are you thinking about suicide? And people have the uh, misperception, Stephanie, that asking that question is going to put the idea in their head. But no, they were already thinking about it, and you're not giving them ideas. They're going to actually feel heard and seen if you ask directly. So ask them the question directly. And if they say, yes, I am thinking about it, I've already started planning it, don't leave that person alone. Remove any firearms, alcohol, drugs, or sharp objects that could be used in a suicide attempt. And call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-TALK, which is 8255, 800-273-8255. And here in Colorado, we have the Colorado Crisis Line, which is 844-493-8255, 844-493-TALK. And take that person to the emergency room or seek help from a medical or mental health professional if needed. 
Uh, thanks so much, Stephanie Hancock, for being my guest today. Um, if folks would like to help or learn more about um, your efforts to support Michael and his defense, they can go to justiceformichaelhancock.org. Mike, uh, justice number four, michaelhancock.org. Thanks again, Stephanie. Thank you, Dr. Peggy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. My guest has been Stephanie Hancock, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Peg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.